The reading of the Lord says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require absence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. So, hopefully my mind will kick in now when we're going through this. What we're finding here now when we come to chapter 4 is Paul, if you remember, started this epistle to Timothy. And in chapters 1 and 2, he really highlighted the, the false teaching and the demonic teaching that was coming into the church. We also know, we will be looking at it in a little while that whenever Paul left the Ephesian church, when he left Ephesus, we read in, in Acts that he told them and warned them that fierce wolves would come into the church from amongst yourselves, teaching and preaching perverse things and leading many astray, which happened. And Paul, after his first imprisonment in Rome, comes back to uh, Ephesus finds, as we know, the church in complete disarray with being given over to all kinds of false gospels and false teachings, and he leaves Timothy in charge. And as we subdivide this epistle, sometimes we can forget these things coming out of the tail end of chapter 3, where he specifically narrows in on what leadership and eldership looks like within the church. And if we time this moment, we're not going to do it, but I would encourage you this week to continually read over chapters 1 and chapters 2. And chapters 3, just to keep it fresh in your mind and to understand the flow of this passage. So he started off in chapter 1, chapter 2, <coughs> pointing to the truth of the gospel, pointing to the fact that, that as a reminder to Timothy, that no one is too far gone. And he highlights his own sinfulness, his own zeal for murder and for dragging those off to prison. For any of us who watched the movie, the Apostle Paul movie, a number of weeks ago, we saw that graphically highlighted to us when Paul was murdering and pulling away people from their children and dragging them off to imprisonment. And Paul highlights to Timothy, even though these false teachers and, and these purveyors of, of false doctrines, you may think you'll be able to change it. But remember, when the Holy Spirit moves like God moved upon me, then anyone can be brought to faith. So he does that in chapters 1 chapters 2, highlights the necessity for proper eldership and proper leadership. And now he comes back at the end of that magnificent song, at the end of verse or chapter 3, he goes in then to, Now the Spirit expressly says. And they said in Acts 20, verse 29, Paul is telling the church that the Spirit has said that there will be apostates. There will be those who claim to be part of the faith, have a zeal to be part of the faith, but ultimately their heart is not in it. It was evident in Paul's time, it is evident today. And what he says is, now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Now this is where we're going to probably get a little bit this morning, probably more so next week whenever I'm fully to the task, to really unpack what that means. This idea of how we can have friends, family, loved ones, people who confess that they are a follower of Christ, people who confess that Jesus Christ is indeed the only way, and yet still devote themselves to the teaching of demons. More and more, if you speak to anybody who has children, I'd go off to university, and they normally come back, having been in a classroom setting where a 
uh, teacher or a philosopher has spoken to them and shown them the true meaning of how there is no God and they come back completely shipwrecked in their faith and parents immediately say it was because of that book, it was because of that teacher, it was because of that friend, it was because of that spouse, it was because of even that false teacher, that God channel, money preacher, whatever it may be. But what Paul is saying here, those may be tools for leading people astray, but have no qualms behind every teacher, behind every book, behind every pamphlet, behind every single movement that is false religion, there is one truth. It's demons. It's demonic. And we have to make sure that we land on them. We're going to be looking particularly at the Roman Catholic Church and how for many of us who know many people within Armagh who are part of the Roman Catholic Church and specifically some of the highlights that Paul goes into, we may be forgiven whenever we go into a setting that is familiar to us. A setting that looks like many of our own churches and our own cathedrals behind men who have the appearance of righteousness and godliness, robes and beads and so on. Behind people who cry out and devote themselves to many aspects of Roman Catholicism. To people who go in and desire to confess their sins. People who desire to be partakers of the communion of the Lord. And yet when you unpack it, we have to stand back and see it for what it is. A false religion. A demonic religion. And therefore be very, very careful how and why we are involved. We'll get into that in the weeks to come. But now he says here, the Spirit expressly says, I've, I've given you the, the highlight of it, but I'll turn with me to Acts 20, verse 29, to understand why Paul says, the Spirit expressly says. So Acts 20, verses 29. As I said, this is Paul as he's, Leaving Ephesus, having spent three years there, establishing the church, admonishing them with his prayers and tears. And this is what he has to say. Speaking to those he's leaving in charge to lead the church, those who have been shepherded by Paul. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from amongst your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things. Now again, you have to imagine the heartbreak, the pain from hearing this from Paul. The church is gathered. The elders are gathered. Those who have been discipled personally by Paul, who claim to be authentic, true, go to death for Christ. And yet they're nothing more than a Judas. They stand here and Paul says, I know. The Spirit has said, you will depart from the faith. The only way, the orthodox faith. There is only one truth. There is only one faith. We looked at it in the last number of weeks. How we as the church have to be upholders of the faith. We have to be known to be a pillar and a buttress of truth. And this is the whole point in our day, and even in Paul's day, how many people want to say there's many different truths. There's only one truth. And Paul says here, amongst you who are here right now, who are crying at me about to depart and to leave, 
You secretly in your heart and in your mind desire for me to go so that you may come like a wolf and destroy the true, authentic Christ sheep within this flock and devour them with the seducingness of a demonic spirit for your own gain, for your own popularity and all the things that we saw happening within chapters 1 and chapters 2 where even the Judaizers had got involved. I know after my departure, fierce wolves will come in amongst you, not friend the flock, and from amongst your own cells will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. This is what happens on most of the God channels that we have on our TV today, TVN or whatever it may be. Most of it, 95% of the content that's on there is designed to twist God's word and his truth. And we have to understand, although it may have a semblance of religion, although it may seem to be what is good, although they may confess to love Christ, they are purveyors of the demonic. And this is something I really want us to root down into. Anything outside of Christian orthodoxy, the true gospel, anything outside of the true church, true salvation is demonic. For many of us, we can clearly see it. If we went to tribal villages and we we see the cultures that develop within those jungles and those far-reaching places, we can see that they're demonic. We can see how they worship carved images. We can look at Buddhism and we can confess, well, that clearly isn't the way. That clearly isn't exalting God nor Christ. We can turn to the Old Testament and see time and time and time again the people, God's people, Israel, giving themselves over to the gods of Baal and so on. Constantly being deceived, constantly being taken away, constantly being dragged off into what is the demonic. Paul says, for amongst yourselves, for amongst this church, will come those who will and shall speak twisted things. Verse 31. Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease, night or day, to admonish everyone with tears. Be alert, not only to the church in Ephesus, but also to us. We must be alert. We must be watchful that what we are Watching, listening to, indulging in, is it actually the gospel? Or is it some version by man which ultimately has the power and the authority and the spiritualness of the demonic? It is a conjuring of the demons to lead God's people astray. It is to give the semblance of worshipping the triune God and yet you're actually worshipping the fallen Lucifer, Satan himself. Behind the masquerade, behind, as I said, the books, the podcasts, the TV shows, whatever it is, is the demonic. If it came into the church in Ephesus, it's going to come into our church today. We have to be wary of it, mindful of it, and as Paul said, watchful of it. Then he says in verse 32, And now I command you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among those who are sanctified. He leaves him with the word. And this is something that this week I had a conversation with somebody who would claim to be born again. Somebody who devotes himself to serving the Lord. Someone who is, loves to be in full-time ministry. He calls himself an evangelist. Loves to work with youth. Loves to work with those who are downtrodden. Cleans houses for people. Gives them the gospel. Does many different things. And in fact, it wasn't until later on 
Friday evening when I was lying in my bed shivering with my heat exhaustion that it came to my mind. When in the midst of our conversation talking about so many good things and godly things, he said one specific thing. He said to me, at the end of the day, I'm not called to go abroad as a missionary. I'm called to be a local evangelist and missionary. And then he said, after all, it's a five-fold ministry. Now, if someone says to you, it's a five-fold ministry, you might let that wash over you and not really understand what he just said to you. Because that washed over me. And this is how subtle the demonic works. This is how you can talk to somebody and say, I don't understand how this person who loves the Lord, clearly loves the Lord, clearly wants to devote himself to the teaching and to the instruction and to the admonition of his word. Someone who says that they are saved. But yet, if we understand what that sentence means, the ramifications are huge. Fivefold ministry comes from the book of Ephesians. We'll not turn to it, but you can look at it yourselves. I think it's chapter 4. And at that time, during the apostolic era, Paul highlights what is the roles in the church. And it's fivefold. It is preachers, teachers, evangelists, and there's two others. One is an apostle. The other is a prophet. So what he said to me is, after all, it's a five-fold ministry. What he is saying is that he is a follower of the New Apostolic Reformation that says that from 2001, the third wave came in the Holy Spirit. First wave, 1901, Isuzu Mission in California. Second wave, I think it's in the mid-80s uh, mid and 90s, particularly with Vineyard. And then this is now the third wave. How we now live in an age where there are apostles just like Paul. With the same authority, headship, and signs and wonders that Paul had. So he, that is his doctrinal core foundation. And that is, as we know, the teaching of the demonic. There is no longer apostles. We looked at it many times over the last number of weeks. We talked about the church, the household of God, being built together as living stones upon what? The foundation of what? The apostles and the prophets and the cornerstone being Christ. You cannot build a foundation upon a foundation. It is a foundation for a reason. The apostles were there to confirm and to affirm who Christ was and the teaching of the gospel. And it was part of the apostolic era. That came to a close. There are no longer prophets, as we read of in the Old Testament, who hear divine, true, authoritative, specific words from God that are to be written down for our instruction. Those have closed. There is no longer apostles who hear divine instruction. Like as Paul said, the Holy Spirit clearly says, expressly says. Well, how do you know he says? Because he wrote it down. It is the authority of the apostles that has been canonized in the Word of God. We don't add to it. We don't take away from it. There is no one now who can come along and say, well, I am now an apostle. And things have changed. We've moved into a new dispensation. And that is exactly what the New Apostolic Reformation says. So in the midst of that conversation, talking to somebody who clearly loves the Lord, he is being deceived, deluded, and drawn away after signs and wonders and authority of quote-unquote apostles. Second Thessalonians chapter 2.
This is the letter, obviously, from Paul to Thessalonica when he writes in verse, in, sorry, in verse 9 of chapter 2. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. We live in a day and age where the church thirsts with an unquenchable desire for signs and wonders. You see it clearly. The masses of people who wanted to go to the Toronto Blessing. The masses of people who wanted to go and for these amazing signs and these amazing wonders. You can see it as we've talked about many times, particularly within this New Apostolic Reformation, which is so prevalent now. How many people want to go and there's gold dust clouds, there's healings, there's feelings of love and joy and ecstasy. Tangible, real feelings that people will be led into rather than standing upon the Word of God. So Paul tells the Church of Thessalonica the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of who? The Satan. The Antichrist is going to come. The, the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. How do these people who are purveyors of the demonic get people to be able to follow after them? In many cases, it's through manipulation. In other cases, it's through false signs and false wonders and false healings. Verse 10. And with all wicked deception for those who are perishing, because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. They do not want the truth. They do not want what the gospel says. They do not want Christ and the fullness of him. They want it here and they want it now. They want it to mean whatever they say, by his stripes were healed. That that means any person who is a Christian shall never have cancer, shall never have a toothache, shall never have anything, because by Jesus' stripes were healed. In the physical, now. That's twisting the word of God. That's not the truth. By his stripes we have been healed from sin. Verse 11, therefore God sends them a strong uh, delusion so that they may believe what is false. We have to realise this, that there is people today who are queuing up at the Catholic Church up the road. And Well, why is that not an Orthodox Gospel? Very simple number of things. One is the fact that they do not believe in the uh, imputation of Christ. In other words, how we are still sinful, but yet Christ's righteousness is imputed to us. It is given to us freely by faith. They believe in the infusion of the gospel. It is by your works. It is by your merit. It is by your giving. It is by certain sacraments like baptism and the Lord's Supper that you're constantly being filled in by the Holy Spirit, infused into you. That is how the Catholic Church didn't understand how anybody can be not completely and holy and righteous. That is why every time you do a sin, you must go and confess it. Once again, confessing your sins and being infused with the Holy Spirit. Well, what's wrong with that? That sounds sort of scriptural. It's demonic. By faith alone in Christ alone. The gospel is the power to save and only the gospel is the power to save. All our works are like filthy rags. Just because I or you have had a fantastic week that we believe we have had. And we start to actually think that we in our own doing have become self-righteous. 
then we deceive ourselves and are being led into the demonic. We must repent, get on our knees and say it is by Christ, his mercy. As we said last Sunday night, whenever we looked at the life of that famous Baptist missionary on his tombstone, what did he write? Wretched, poor, worm, falling completely independently into the gracious arms of the Lord. Gospel. None of us are righteous. Every one of us are sinners saved by grace. And there's many others, like how the priesthood do not marry, which we're going to get to, how they absent from food on Fridays, how they pray to Mary, how they do so many different things, how they take Christ, and every single time you have communion, they kill Christ once again, and they deny the fact that Christ is at the right hand of the Father, because they believe that Christ's body is tangible, physical, real flesh. We'll get into all that too. Verse 12, in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, the faith, the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we, verse 13, ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in truth. What is the evidence that evidence that we truly have the Holy Spirit working in us? What did Christ say? The the Helper will come. The Holy Spirit will come. And He will lead you into what? Truth. Why do they have the truth? Because they do not have the Holy Spirit. Yes, they may have the appearance of righteousness. But ultimately, behind their heart is the love of the demonic. They deny the truth. They are giving themselves over to a lie. 2 Peter verse 1. Right, Second Peter chapter 2, verse 1. And again, this is confirming what the Apostle Paul says. This Holy Spirit has expressly said that there will be apostates, those who say they love the Lord, but will turn like Judas. Chapter 2, verse 1. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, bringing upon themselves swift swift destruction. And many, many will follow their sensuality. And because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Why is it that these purveyors of the demonic are not punished are not smitten, they're not wiped out like Sodom and Gomorrah. Peter says here, because their punishment is not asleep, it is coming. The day in which they stand before the Lord and they have to give an account and they are thrown into the eternal lake of fire with everyone who followed after their perverse, false doctrines and false ways will go with them. Therefore, we church, we must be alert. Signs, wonders, tangible things, love, all these words. I'm a follower. I'm a believer. I'm part of Team Jesus. I'm part of this church. I'm part of that church. What is the truth? Verse 13 of chapter 2. Suffering wrong as the wage of their wrongdoing, they counted pleasure 
to revile in the daytime. They are blots and blemishes, reviling in their deceptions. While they feast with you, they have eyes full of idolatry. Instainable for sin, they entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed, accursed children, forsaking the right way they have gone astray. Verse 17. These are waterless springs and mist driven by a storm. From them the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. For speaking loud boasts of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. They promise them freedom through their gospel, promise them freedom through their religious means, and yet all they're doing is enslaving them more and more. For whatever comes, for whatever overcomes a person to that he is enslaved, for if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last state is worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it, turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit. And the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. False prophets, false teachers are coming. False prophets and false teachers are here. People whom we love devote themselves to their teaching. Churches in Armagh devote themselves to their teachings. And whether or not we want to sit down and say, well, we're all followers of Christ and we all want to be united, we have to come to, are you a purveyor of the false or purveyor of the truth? Do you go by what the Word of God says or do you go by what you feel? Do you go by your visions and your dreams? Or are you going by the authoritative word of God, the truth, and the knowledge of the Holy Spirit? If you're not, then we cannot be called brothers and sisters for you're leading people astray in the name of Christ, for the glory of the demonic. Back to 1 Timothy. So we know that what Paul says here is clear. The Spirit expressly says, we can turn to so many different passages, even throughout the Old Testament of time this morning. And he goes on and says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith. So what does he mean by the faith? He means the orthodox word of God. As I said, it is Christ alone for the sanctification of our sins alone. It is the turning from our sins. It is repentance. It is, as we've looked at, the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And so on and so on. It is a mindset that comes from the true indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The faith by devoting themselves to the deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Turn to Second uh, Corinthians. Chapter 11, verse 3. And this is where we have to be careful, and we're going to unpack this more next week. And see clearly that every single false religion, no matter what it is, even in the midst of the name of Christ, if it is not the gospel of orthodoxy, it is demonic. We must run from it, flee from it, and see the ramifications 
4. Verse 3 of chapter 11. But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and a pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received. Now this is Paul saying that there is clearly different spirits apart from the Holy Spirit. We've talked about in the past the Kundalini spirit. There is demonic spirits that can come upon you or, well, or even in you and give you feelings that may resemble the Holy Spirit, but it is not the Holy Spirit. There are those who confess Jesus, but is it the Jesus of Scripture? Is it the Jesus that came to save the lost, or is it the Jesus that came to give you money in your pockets? Which Jesus are you preaching? The Jesus of Scripture or the Jesus that you have manifested from the twisting of Scripture? For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. Indeed, I consider that I am not in the least in fear to those super apostles. Even in Paul's day, there were those who were not apostles, but claimed to be apostles, and in fact said they were super apostles. And he goes on with that, and we jump to verse 12. And it says, and, when, and what I am doing, I will continue to do in order to underline the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boast, boasted mission, they work on the same terms as we do. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, their end will correspond to their deeds. Paul tells us, Satan will disguise himself as a worker of righteousness, as an angel. Then do not be surprised when all the fallen angels and those who follow after Satan, the demons, will do exactly the same. We're preaching Jesus, but we're not. We're preaching the gospel, but we're not. Behind it all is the power and the authority of the demonic. Masses of people gathering together in the name of Christ, calling themselves the bride of Christ and a church today, and yet they do not know who Christ is, nor the gospel, and what they are actually worshipping is themselves through the manipulation of the demonic. Right quickly, Jude 3. Jude, a servant of Christ Jesus and brother of James, writes, Beloved, although, verse 3, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about, the commons, about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend, to fight for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed, 
who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwellings, he kept in eternal change, chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual morality and pursued unnatural desires, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Yet, in a like manner, these people also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. They do not these purveyors of the demonic, these false prophets, false apostles, false religions. They say, well, I had a dream. I had a vision. They do not lean upon the truth of Scripture, but rather lean on what can be manipulated by the demonic. Visions. Dreams. And therefore, as he says, in like manner, these people also relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject the authority of God's word, and blaspheme the glorious ones. We'll maybe close with 1 Corinthians 10. As I said, there's quite a lot in this over the next couple of weeks. 1 Corinthians 10, chapter, verse 20. No, I imply that what pagans sacrifice, they offer to demons. Paul shows here that if we had time to go into the Old Testament, and particularly different kings of the Old Testament, every single sacrificial system, every single religion, every single works of the so-called gospel, anything outside of the orthodoxy of the church is and serves the demonic. Don't be fooled, he says. Be alert. Every single sacrifice being made today to any pagan idol is a giving to the demonic. Pagan sacrifice they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. Paul said here to the church of Corinth, you cannot come to the table as we did today and partake of the cup of the living God, and then go and take of the cup of the demonic. You cannot do it. Every single thing that you do outside of the gospel of orthodoxy, be very, very mindful and careful. You're not being led astray into the worship of the demonic. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Just back to 1 Timothy chapter 4. So this opening couple of verses in chapter 4 we know has a lot of power and authority and a reminder to what and how we should be mindful of what he's shown us and what he's doing. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will apostatize. The Greek word for depart is the word we get from apostate. Someone who once said they loved Christ 
someone who once said that they followed after the truth and someone who once knew the truth will shall depart from the faith by devoting themselves not to wise counsel or to books or to teachers but to demonic teaching deceitful spirits and the teaching of demons therefore church we must be aware when we hear brothers or so called brothers and sisters using terms and words that are not orthodox that are not true be careful even though they said another lord do the action where is the truth where is their doctrine where is their belief or is it simply superficial how they feel what they've had visions of how they've dreamt is it for their gain or god's gain amen Father, we thank you for your word this morning and the reminder, Lord, of the perils and the dangers of how there will and there shall be until you come back, Father, those who will lead astray, people who once confessed to be a Christian, once knew the true gospel, once held fast to the truth, and they will apostatize, and they will turn, and they will follow after the teaching of demons. They will call themselves your bride, but they're not. They will call themselves teachers and apostles and prophets, but they're not a Lord. Father, help us, Lord, to see with all clarity the dangers of giving ourselves over to the teaching of demons, clothed and masquerade as teachings of light. Father, thank you that we have the Holy Spirit to be able to discern truth. Thank you, Father God, that we can give ourselves daily into your word and be changed by your word. We can meditate on your word, O oh Father. Help us not allow anyone to twist it, Father. Help us to always translate your word by your word. May the fullness of your word, Lord, shape and mold our lives so that we can know one truth that we truly follow, the gospel of orthodoxy, the gospel of Christ, that we, Father, being built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and Christ Jesus, our cornerstone, that we truly are held together by your Holy Spirit. We are the church, we are the bride, we are brothers and sisters, we are your sons and daughters, O Lord. Help us to be aware and help us rescue those, Father, who are in false Christian religion, who are doing nothing more than conjuring up wrath for themselves, Lord, against you, the only God that is to be worshipped. We pray, Father, for these demonic deceptions to stop, Father, although we know they will not until you come. We pray, Father, for you to rescue people out of it, Lord, and for you to be glorified through it all. We thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, Stan will close in worship.